Last week we learned a little bit about the faith of Abraham, Abram. It was before his name was uh, changed. In Genesis 15, 6, uh, we read that Abram believed the Lord. And the Lord counted that belief, that faith, as righteousness to Abram. In Romans 4, we learned that we benefit from faith the same way that Abram did. Paul tells us, but the words it was counted to him were not written for Abram's sake alone, but for ours also. That same faith will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. And so it is that uh, no matter how far back in time you might travel, justification has always been by God's grace through the gift of faith. From our reading this morning, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. I love the sovereignty of God. All of that responsibility is far too weighty for uh, any of us. But notice that it was God who does the reconciling through Christ. Our task, our task as Christians, as ambassadors for Christ, our task is simply to proclaim the message that Christ died for our sins, was buried and raised for our justification. And praise God, the results are not up to us. Amen. In the Gospel of Mark, the very first recorded words of Jesus are these. The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the Gospel. His next words are, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And so the pattern goes. We hear, we believe God reconciles us to himself, and then he sends us out to proclaim the good news in turn. And someone hears and believes and gets reconciled to God and gets sent out to proclaim the good news, and so on. I picture a great line of people starting with Adam and Eve and stretching forward all the way through time to today, each one being reconciled to God through Christ and then passing the message on to the next and the next. Even in the darkest of times, no matter how few righteous were left, only eight in the case of uh, the flood, God has always preserved a believing remnant. That line is unbroken. And each of us who have received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior are part of it. We are blessed to be in that great procession of saints. 
each of us who are in Christ can very likely uh, recall the person or persons who gave us the good news, the gospel of Christ, through whom God reconciled us to himself. A show of hands, please. How many of you remember the moment of your new birth and the person or people who were instrumental in it? Many of us. It's a, a, a marvelous moment, isn't it? Well, here's a question. Uh, how do you remember those people who gave you the good news, who helped you to come to Christ? Do you remember them fondly, I hope? Uh, do you remember them uh, in a very special way? I mean, Paul calls the people that he brought to Christ his spiritual children. Here's another question. Do you want to be remembered that way? <laughs> Listen, I can guarantee you this. Not everyone you tell about Christ is going to believe. Have you figured that out yet? In fact, if you tell a lot of people, I can guarantee that you will, sooner or later, encounter resistance, suffer the loss of friends, uh, perhaps uh, experience a little bit uh, extra dysfunction in your dysfunctional families or something worse. But I can also guarantee that if you do not go out and tell, you will miss out on a wonderful blessing. A wonderful blessing. And whether anyone believes the gospel you proclaim or not, you will still be blessed. Because God blesses obedience. And if even one person, if you tell thousands, and if even one person believes, you will receive a blessing that rivals the moment of your own salvation. There's nothing like it. What an honor it is to be allowed by God to participate in the salvation of another person. And to be a witness to the miraculous work of God. And it is a miracle. Justification is a miracle. In fact, many miracles take place at the very moment that God declares us to be righteous in Christ. As we sang, He touched me. And I'll never be the same. But there are lots of miracles at that moment, aren't there? Ephesians 1.13 says, At that moment, we were sealed with the Holy Spirit. Galatians 3.13, Christ redeems us from the curse of the law. 1 John 2.12, our sins are forgiven. There's a miracle. Colossians 2.13, God makes us alive together with Christ. And this little passage from 1 Peter chapter 1 says, God causes us to be born again, gives us a living hope, guarantees us an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, which is being kept in heaven for us, even as God guards us with his power through faith. Did you get all that? The moment we believe the gospel of our salvation and surrender to Christ, we are redeemed and sealed and forgiven and made alive and born again and given living hope 
We are guaranteed a heavenly inheritance and guarded by God through faith. And the list goes on. One of my very favorite verses about the moment of justification is in John 5, verse 24, where Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. That's the miracle that happens at justification. And is it any wonder that Dr. Luke wrote, I tell you there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Even the angels are awed by the work of God. What miracles God performs at the justification of each and every soul that comes to Christ. Of course, we all know that God is a miracle worker. He heals our bodies. He rescues us from calamities. He sends angels to minister to us. But as far as I'm concerned, the greatest miracle of all is that through faith in Christ, God took a miserable sinner headed to hell, namely me, and transformed me into a joy-filled saint headed to heaven. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. So many things happen the moment that we're justified by faith that is very hard to summarize, isn't it? But I think a good place to start is Romans chapter 5, which is our uh, text, part of the text we're looking at today. If you'd like, please open your Bibles to Romans chapter 5. Chapter 4, as you recall, closed with this wonderful truth that all people who believe God have their faith counted to them as righteousness, just as Abram did. And then chapter 5 opens with this glorious thought that follows on the heels of justification. Paul writes, verse 1, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God. Bless you. If you're reading along, please uh, uh, keep your finger here because we'll come back. But... Uh, I do tend to, I always come back. We have peace with God. And I don't think anyone can really appreciate what that means until they have been justified in Christ because lost people, I'm speaking for myself, when I didn't know God, I didn't even know that I was at enmity with Him. <laughs> Any witnesses out there? I didn't know coming to the realization of the enormity of our sin leads us to the repent part uh, that Jesus said, repent and believe the gospel. And it all happens in an instant. Paul describes the awful condition of fallen humanity in Romans chapter 3. This is quite a list. It starts in verse 10, and Paul says, As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. 
No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. Verse 18 is the great summary of all of this. Paul says, There is no fear of God before their eyes. That's the natural human condition. Because of sin, we were hopelessly lost and unable to do anything about it. But blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because according to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Romans 5.1, I told you I'd come back. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Such is the power of God's love toward us. Listen, did you know that uh, it's not because we're lovable? <laughs> Anybody still believe in their own press releases? Get, a, get over that. The power of God's love is so amazing because we're not lovable. But He loves us because He is love. We have peace with God. And what a peace it is. Jesus said in John 14, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And he said in John 16, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. In the world, the Lord said, we will have tribulation. Paul wrote in 2 Timothy, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, listen, will be persecuted. Now, that takes many forms, of course. It might be as mild as getting laughed at for what you believe. That's pretty common in the world today. But if you truly desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, you will be persecuted some way, shape, or form. Our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world have been suffering terribly <clears throat> for their faith ever since the cross. You know, we, we tend to uh, forget that in America, don't we? I mean, we've had it made for so long. It's easy to forget our brothers and sisters around the world. 
we will be persecuted. But here's the thing. No matter what the world throws at us, listen, no matter what Satan does to us or tries to do to us, no matter what sorrows we bring on ourselves, that's, by the way, where most of our trouble comes from, no matter of any of that, no one and nothing can take away our peace with God. No one can steal our peace. No one can kill our joy. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And it all starts at the very moment that we believe the gospel of our salvation. Listen to the rest of this little passage from Romans 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. What? You hear that? We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And everyone who surrenders to that idea, everyone who surrenders to Christ at the cross and is justified, everyone is immediately in the grace and the peace of God. Verse 9 says, Since therefore we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies... We were reconciled to God by the death of His Son much more. Now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. More than that, Paul says, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. It really is a mind-blowing thing, isn't it? To go from being a member of the fallen human race, which every single one of us, uh, any Martians here? No. Every one of us is part of the fallen human race, aren't we? And we remain fallen unless and until we surrender to Christ. But the moment we do, God takes that terrible list of characteristics in Romans chapter 3, and He says, 
you have peace with me. Wow. Thanks to the Lord's finished work on the cross, we who were destined to suffer God's holy wrath, listen, God's wrath is not only holy, it is completely righteous, it's completely just, it's what we deserve. But praise God, it's not what He gives us if we surrender to Christ. You know, mercy is, is God not giving us what we really deserve. Grace is God giving us the wonderful things that we do not deserve. I heard a little story that helps remember the difference. You know, God, as I said, is just in His wrath. There was a young artist who had gained some notoriety and he went to do a portrait of a very wealthy woman and she said to him, young man, see that you do me justice. And he said, ma'am, you don't want justice, you want mercy. <laughs> he probably didn't get paid, but, <clears throat> but that's the difference, isn't it? God does not give us what we deserve which is eternal punishment in hell. Instead, He gives us what we don't deserve, which is His love, His grace, His mercy, His peace. And it's all thanks to the finished work of Christ on the cross. We who were destined to suffer God's holy wrath have peace. Good news indeed. We who were enemies of God have been reconciled. And such is the power of God's peace that we can actually rejoice even in our sufferings because we know that God will use those things to build our endurance, to refine our character, to increase our hope, and to give us greater love. Thinking of these things, one of the things I love about Paul is... Uh, the way sometimes he kind of just bursts into song because he can't contain himself. It's like that song, when, when the love spills over and you can't contain your joy. I think Paul is like that. Thinking of these things, Paul wrote, under the inspiration of God, what I consider to be the greatest assurance ever given to God's people. This is in Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 31. Paul wrote this, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we're being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, no. 
in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Listen to this, Paul says, for I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that, my friends, is what peace with God looks like. And I pray that you all have it. Let's pray. Father, we stand in awe every day at what you have done for us. Wonderful things that we do not deserve. We thank you, Father, that you've not given us what we do deserve. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for willingly going to that cross in our place, for paying the price for my sins, for our sins. We thank you for bringing us to you there. We thank you for bringing us to repentance and faith in the gospel. And we thank you for eternal life that begins the moment we surrender. We thank you so much for that peace that we have with God to be at peace with our Creator. Perhaps the most profound thought that's ever entered the mind of men. And so, Father, we thank you. We thank you for all you've done and all you've yet to do. And we just pray your continued blessing, your continued grace and mercy and the preservation of our peace with you. And we pray it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.